and welcome to Sharing Real Hope. My name is Mike Hall. The dictionary defines a metaphor as a thing regarded as representative or symbolic of something else. The scriptures have numerous metaphors and they're there to teach followers of Christ important truth. Now let me just say this about metaphors. Uh, I am one who believes strongly in interpreting the scriptures literally everywhere where it's obvious that they should be interpreted literally. I do not believe that we should spiritualize and we should, uh, what's called eisegete, um, bring our own thoughts to it, but rather we should draw out of it what is there and understand what it's saying. So um, we come from the standpoint of a literal interpretation of scriptures. However, in the scriptures there are metaphors, things that are representative or symbolic of a truth. And we're going to look at, examine four of these metaphors. These are metaphors that really matter to us. They are giving us some important truth that we need to latch on to. These particular four metaphors help us to understand our relationship to the world, our role in the unbelieving world. As followers of Christ, we need to know how to get along in this world. We need to know how to relate to non-believers, to people who are not followers of Christ. And so Jesus gives us three of these metaphors directly, and then one of them come from the writings of Paul, and all of them obviously are the inspired words of, of Almighty God. So we're going to look at these four very important metaphors that are uh, that matter in our lives. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. This is from the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And so our first metaphor comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is salt of the earth. Jesus says that those of us who follow him are the salt of the earth. Now, what does that mean? Well, when you look at this uh, passage in context and in its day, when Jesus referred to salt, it was something that came out of the Dead Sea. And, and it is salty, but it, unlike the salt of, of modern times, uh, this salt could lose its flavor Today's salt don't do that, and he says that if that salt loses its flavor, it's not good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men, and what he meant by that was uh, when salt lost its flavor, they would take it and spread it on footpaths to keep uh, weeds from growing up, and, and that was all it was good for. So what is this metaphor of salt representing? Well, uh, salt was primarily used in that day as a preservative. Now, it could also be used as uh, for flavoring as as it is today but 
in that day before refrigeration, salt would be used as, pres- as a preservative. I think about in, in modern days uh, when I go to a certain restaurant, sometimes I'll order uh, country ham and it's really salty and that's, that's the way our forefathers would preserve ham. They would salt it and preserve it and so salt is a preservative. And so if Jesus is saying that we're the salt of the earth, he's saying in some sense that God uses us as a preservative in, in today's society. In Proverbs chapter 11, verses 10 and 11, we kind of get a glimpse of it. It says this, When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there is joyful shouting. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is torn down. And so Jesus is saying here very, very clearly uh, through the writer of the Proverbs that when the righteous are sprinkled out in, in society, sprinkled out in the culture, and the righteous are living righteous lives, there is a preserving influence in that, in that culture. We have to understand that. I believe there is a real example of this in Genesis chapter 18, verses 16 to 33, where a conversation takes place between the Lord and Abraham. And the Lord has told Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom for its sin, and primarily uh, the sin there of homosexuality. And and, uh, God said, I'm going to destroy this city. And Abraham said, but God, if there's only 50 righteous people, will you spare it for the sake of the righteous? And God said, yes. Yes. And then Abraham kept negotiating with God, and he negotiated him all the way down to if there are only 10 righteous people in this city, God, will you spare the city? And God said, I'll spare it if there are 10 righteous people. And obviously they weren't found there. But the idea is uh, uh, those that are righteous living, sprinkled out in society through their righteous living, it acts as a preservative at some level in culture, in society. And then there's a second metaphor as we move along here quickly, and that is found in Matthew chapter 5, again, verses 14 to 16 from the Sermon on the Mount. Hear the words of Jesus. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So obviously the second metaphor is he calls the followers of Jesus, followers of himself, the light of the world. Let's hear the rest of the passage. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So now as Jesus is talking about our relationship to the unbelieving world, what our role is in the unbelieving world, he says, you're the light of the world. I remember in John chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus stood and said, I am the light of the world, and Jesus is ultimately the light of the world. But His light shines in us and through us. So what does He mean by the fact that we are the light of the world and letting our light shine? Well, I believe the hint is found there in verse 16, right after He says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they, catch this, may see your good works. Our inner righteousness coming out in practical outer righteous living, our good works. I believe Peter caught on to this when he wrote his inspired book, 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, he talks about keeping our behavior 
excellent among the Gentiles. And what that means is among non-believers. And he says uh, that, that our good deeds should show there. So check it out. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. And so being a light in the world is letting our righteous deeds, our good works, our excellent behavior, our good deeds uh, be seen among men. It is authentic, lived out righteousness. And, and uh, that could go in many different directions. It, it, it's a matter of holiness, you know, uh, not living a sinful lifestyle. Uh, for example, you know, the world thinks nothing of shacking up. And I'm going to use that, uh, that phrase without apology. That's living together outside the bounds of marriage. Being in a sexual relationship outside the bounds of marriage. The world thinks nothing of it, the unbelieving world. But it's pretty sad when believers do the same thing. It's a sin. It is not righteous living, but when believers... uh, Recently, I read something about a famous athlete and a famous singer who had just gotten married and they had uh, made a commitment to stay pure, to not have sex until after they were married and, and they, they were talking about, praise God, they were able to do it. That is letting the world see your good deeds. It's going against the grain of common unbelieving culture. Let And that's just one example of many that could be done. So righteous, holy living, but also our, our serving people, our selfless serving and giving giving ourselves away in good deeds. There we are the light of the world. And Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And then there's a third uh, metaphor, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, where Paul said, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. There it is. Ambassadors for Christ. There's a metaphor that we need to understand. Listen to what it says. It is as though God were making an appeal through us. We behave, be- beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And the scriptures tell us back in uh, verses 18 and 19 that God has given us a word, a ministry of reconciliation. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation. What is that? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is how people are reconciled back to right relationship with God. We have that message. An ambassador. This word here is a word that's akin to elders. It was originally about an older, more mature person that represented someone. And it and it, uh, it has the idea of serving as a representative of the king or a president to, to another country, representing your country in another country. Well, as followers of Christ, we are not permanent citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven. Our citizenship isn't here. Ultimately, it is in heaven. And as citizens of heaven, of another country, God has called all of us to be representatives of the heavenly country, of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And the way we represent the King of kings and Lord of lords is through this wonderful message of reconciliation. We represent Jesus. How well are we? And, and you know, as, as a follower of Christ, that's exactly what we are, ambassadors for Christ. But then, um, I, I want you to see the fourth metaphor found back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and again from Jesus. From Jesus' lips, He said, You will be my witnesses. After you've received the Holy 
Holy Spirit. And that, for those of us today, that's when we're saved. When we are born again, when we are converted, we immediately receive the Holy Spirit and then we become His witnesses. That word witness, in the original Greek, in which the Scriptures are written, uh, it, it is a word that's been transliterated to the word that we have today, martyr. It, that's exactly what the word is in Greek, martyr. A martyr is one who's given his life, literally, he has died for Christ. And and many of those in the book of Acts, and since then, millions since then, over these past uh, 2,000 years plus have given their life as they have been witnesses for Christ. A witness is one who proclaims what they have seen, what they've heard, what they have known and personally experienced. We are witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are those who proclaim the good news of Jesus uh, in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uh, uttermost part of the world, to, to to the world. And so God has called us to be witnesses. And so these four metaphors are so very key to help us to understand our place in this world. We're to be preservative through our righteous living, preservative, salt of the earth. We are to be the light of the world, those who... Uh, shine our light as we live righteously and as we do good works and good deeds and keep our behavior excellent. We're to be ambassadors for Christ, those that represent the heavenly country to another country, um, uh, to our temporary country here on this earth. We're to be the witnesses of Christ that proclaim what we have seen and heard and known, specifically the gospel and how it has affected our lives. And so let me just wrap up uh, as I talk about these four metaphors. Let me just say this. If you are a true follower of Christ, you are these four things. You are. You're not uh, in the process of becoming them. You are salt of the earth, light of the world, an ambassador for Christ. You are Christ's witnesses. You're those. The question is, how well are you managing? How well are you at being a good steward of that? Are you uh, living as salt and light, as an ambassador, as the witness of Christ, as who you are? Is it coming through? I hope that this will cause us to pause and think and examine and let the Lord uh, change us so that we can be all that He wants us to be to His honor and glory. Well, until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this edition of Sharing Real Hope. We hope that you were encouraged in your walk with Christ by what you heard. Please take a moment to email us with your questions, prayer requests, and comments. Our email address is sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Again, that's sharingrealhope at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website at sharingrealhope.org. Until next time, keep living in and sharing real hope.